train approaching. Stand back on the platform edge. Hello everybody, welcome to the How Train Talks podcast station. In studio today, I have with me Dr. Barbara Jensen, who's the Marketing and Communications Senior Executive for the How Train Management Agency. Welcome, Barbara. Hi, Vivi, and thanks for making me part of your podcast. It's good to have you in studio today and spend an hour with you talking about the Gautrain brand. I know this is your baby <laughs> and uh, an overview, a brief history about um, the Gautrain. Well, you should not ask me to give you a brief history on the Gautrain brand. <laughs> it's sort of impossible. <laughs> I try. I try my best. <laughs> so, Barbara, can you tell us a bit about your journey with the Gautrain? I know you've been involved from the beginning, the past 17 years at least, could you could you take us through that history? See that that really dates me if you say the past seventeen years. But yes, indeed, it's it's uh, the past seventeen years, um, and yes, what a journey it was. I mean, it was really. If I look back, and I'm almost at the end of my professional career, and if I look back at my professional career, how train was definitely the highlight, and I'm very fortunate that it's also something that I can end my career with. That I don't after how train. I have to go and sort of find out what is now my niche because I think how train has become my life. I'll never forget the day before we launched, we had the commencement of operation function. Um, we had the photographer that tried, we were battling to get nice shots of the train um, and it was raining. So they pulled the trains out of the, uh, the depot, washed them or dry them off, <laughs> take a photo, eventually got the most beautiful picture. And it, it was yeah. late one evening and I turned to my husband and I showed the picture to him. We were sitting in bed and I said to him, look at my, my obsession. And he said, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a very quiet one. Um, <laughs> but in any case, so I've been involved in the project since we started in 2000. Um, and we were very uh, quite a small team. Jack Van Amara, who is currently the CEO of the Hotrain Management Agency, was the project leader. Um, and I was one of two females around a table of engineers. Um, so, yes, it, it has been from asking someone what is a bogey um, to today. I sort of have the dummy, dummy's guide of of rail engineering in my head. Yes, after 17 years, I think <laughs> you've collected enough knowledge about about the train having it close to your heart so i'm going to park the part about retirement and just stick to pick up on the point on the commencement what has been the highlights you've been through the project since development uh, the implementation now we are in the operations phases what would you say were the highlights there from a communications Mm. a pr and and marketing perspective there were many but if i have to think of um, a highlight that really stands out, um, two highlights, Um, one that in the UK and then one that was sort of almost mirrored here. While Jack and his team, his financial, legal and technical team was battling to get the concession agreement signed in 2000, in 2000 and well, from July 2005 until they signed it on the 28th of September 2006. I was responsible for the branding and what the brand, after the brand has been confirmed, and we can talk about how we got to the brand a little bit later, but after the brand um, had been confirmed, 
the natural progression was to start looking at the livery, what the trains would be looking like, the buses, yeah. stations, what wherever the touch points are with the public with how train. Um, and in May 2006, after I've worked with British railway engineers on what the trains may look like, um, which was a journey in itself, um, we they, they kept on sending me designs of the trains, uh, the colours that was either green or blue or red, and I kept on saying to them, but this is not an African train. You know, we need a train that's Afrotech, yeah. that that looks technologically advanced, fast, but it also has to bring in the style and the spirit of Africa. Yes. And we were standing, I was standing in, a, in talking to them outside and looked at at a car in front of me and it was a golden Mercedes. And I said to them, can we have a golden train? Because how train means the golden train. Um, but at that point in time, as you said, after a couple of years working with engineers, I got to know about value engineering. Will it cost more? So I said to him, will it, will, questions were, will a metallic train cost more? And they said, well, that will, it will most, the first metallic train that they've produced, but they're sure it won't cost more. And I said, will it cost more to maintain? No, it will not cost more to maintain. So eventually we decided it will be the golden train. And we then worked on about three designs. And as I said, in May 2006, we took at that stage Premier Shalowa um, and three MECs um, to the UK. And we went to a virtual reality studio where they actually put on the goggles and they could actually touch and feel what heart train looks like. So... We then started with um, when Bombella was appointed as the preferred bidder um, in 2006, signed the concession agreement, and it was June 2008, the first train was ready. And that is a huge milestone in any rail project. Um, and we had a media event also with our politicians to the UK. So we went to Derby um, to receive the first train. But about a month before that, um, I was in the UK, um, we were planning the event, and the, in the end of the meeting we had with the service provider that was going to, to do the event for us, um, the comms manager at Bombardier turns to, turned to me and he said to me, by the way, would you like to go and see your train? Oh, of You've course, been waiting <laughs> for, this, for, this for years. Um, and we were walking, and it was sort of drizzling, as it does in the UK. And I was talking to Neil, and we turned into a shed. And all of a sudden, this train was standing in front of me. Well, only speaking to you now, I want to cry. I mean, I looked up at this monster. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you realize, here in front of you are eight years of sweat and tears, very difficult times, very good times. Uh, and I, d I mean, I was quite emotional. Jack was also emotional when he saw it the first time. Yeah. And, and I think why why we were, and if I have to, and I can't speak for Jack, but these were the dreams of a nation yeah. standing in front of us. Yeah. Um, it is a dream that was that was a very difficult birth. Um, and all of a sudden, it's a reality. You know, it is a. We started with Hot Train when the the clouds are the weapon scandal, 
um, was knocking on our doors. Yeah. So it was a diff- difficult procurement time, you know, and we had to run a clean project, and we did. We still do, and yeah, it was it was the realization of a lot of dreams and a lot of aspirations, you know. Mm. So it was mm. a emotional moment. So and I in the beginning I said, then there was something that mirrored that. Um, we had a very emotional uh, emotional um, acceptance of the first train. Yeah. Um, everyone was in this looked like a hangar and we got the crowd at that stage there was a South African tour group a, a touring group that were playing on the on um, on the west end in the Lion King so we flew them up to or got them on a train up to Birmingham where Derby's office where, and in Derby where um, Bombardier's factory is and um they they performed to the train, you know. They and it was shosha losha, and it was a Zulu war dance. Yeah. Looking at the train, and the most incredible thunderstorm started. Very very um, not the, the UK is not known for thunderstorms. Yes. So we had this Africans singing to our train. And a real high felt thunderstorm ensued. In the middle. In the middle of, of Europe. I mean, yeah, it was just incredible. So the train then came back, and the f- very first time I rode on the Gau train um, on the test tracks, um, we, we had a, th- a thunderstorm again. So it was like, to me, full circle. We had yes. the thunderstorm when we accepted the first train in. Um, in the UK, and the first time I was on the train, um, on the test on the test tracks, and, and and another thunderstorm started. I just thought we came full circle. The train is home. With all the sentimental value surrounding the train, I mean, listening to you telling the story, how close to your heart it is. It's not just work. Mm. It actually um, being part of the team that actually made Africa realize one of his dreams and, and connecting that to the African culture, bringing a gold train, which is something that has never been done before, as the highlights. What would you say are the key ingredients of a marketing person, a communications person, who is involved in in a project of such magnitude with the responsibility to the stakeholders to the citizens to delivering on a promise really on 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 a huge project, project. yeah i think very you hit the nail on the head there um, a brand is far more than the logo or the the slug line or the tag line it is everything that you do uh, and we realized that you know we realized for us communication and marketing and 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 especially communication in the beginning we only started marketing um how train about six months before we became operational in 2010 yeah. but we had to take the Gauteng community and the and the South African community for for that matter, with us on the journey, because yes. we started with a project in two thousand. Uh, we had one media conference in it was about May mid May um, two thousand. Premier Shalowa announced that he is going to the the, the province is looking at building something like Hot Train, um, in his. State of the Province Address in 2000. 
So we had one media conference to announce that the team of transaction advisors had been appointed and they're going to start with a feasibility study, um, studies for Gautrain. And then we went into, for from a media and a public point of view, into hiding for about a year. Mm. Um, because we were working on a feasibility report. And, and again, I think where comms person, the value of communication on this project, in my opinion, is that we always sat around the table where executive decisions were made. And they listened to your advice. I remember sitting at that stage, and it's, and it's very difficult, you know, to sit around a table where there's a premier and four MECs and the DG of the province and Jack, um, and to say my advice to you is for the next, until we have a feasibility report and until this project is feasible, let's stop government talk shops. Yes. Let's get to a project that we can deliver on. And remember, politicians have a very short-term vision on on on. On delivery, yeah. and they've got an eye, a firm eye on the next election. Yeah. So to say for for two politicians, that something good is happening, but don't talk about it. That's difficult. It's difficult. And to all of those politicians' credit, um, so our political and our administrative uh, project leadership, they took the advice, and it stayed us in very good state. With eyes, you know, and I also went out on a limb there. You know, we never did a project like how trade in South Africa, so mm. it is, was really a gut feel that I thought this is what we should do. Yeah, it could have backfired, and it worked. You know, so when we then made the announcement, um, we had an investor conference, an international investor conference, in September two thousand and one, where we delivered the. Um, the inception report to international investors. Um, it was just off a international investment trip that we did to to Europe to see whether there would be an appetite for the project, and there was quite a considerable appetite for the project. So it is, it is not only about designing the brand. Yeah. Um, it is not only about planning the commencement of construction, the commencement of operation, the first train home. We call it a fikili kaya. Those functions. It is about being part of the vision of the project. Mm. It is part of being sitting around the dominant coalition, um, or being part of a dom- dominant coalition that makes decisions on where this project is going. Um, and it was difficult times. At first, no one wanted how train. Yeah. Um, then we went through construction. And we were inconveniencing a lot of, a lot people. of people in the province. Um, yeah. And and without being arrogant, we decided during that time that during construction, we are not going to apologize for what we are doing. Mm. And we had a tagline of proudly taking Gauteng further. Yes. But at the risk of not being arrogant. I mean, you can't be arrogant about, you say, well, well, you know, you just have to suffer for the next six years. In the end of the day, you're going to have a train. Yeah. And we were very successful in that in the sense that the media, I remember the first time a media person, a journalist, called Train our train. You sort of sit back and you think, my work here is done. Yes, because, because you've got took the buy-in. You took ownership, ownership yeah. you know, and the public took ownership of Gautrain. So, but it, it it doesn't happen by default. It happens by design and by by a lot of hard work. And and I'm and I must again. I talked about the political and the project leadership. There was there were always faith, 
and support for the communication team. Yes. Um, we, we, we came up with some hair-raising <laughs> ideas that, again, never has been done before in South Africa. And at every time, mostly every time, it, it worked. Mm. Um, so you earned the, the, the respect and the support of political and project leadership. Mm. And that made it easier to, to roll out communication plans. I mean, and also... One of the things that I and I always will say that when I speak at international or domestic communication and PR conferences is that communication on how train was from the very first day part of the planning. We didn't yeah. parachute in afterwards. That, as I referred to that first meeting, we had sitting around a table with technical, financial, and legal people. Communication was there as well. Yeah, and for that, Jack will always have to be. Um, accredited for for that. We are still with Dr. Jensen talking about uh, the Gau Train brand and the brief history of, of, of the Gau Train. Now we're going to move along and, and touch on the brand. If you can, Barbara, I think in the first sessions or questions that we were, we were discussing, you did speak about the brand a little bit. But if you can just give us an overview, what does the brand stand for? What's the value of the brand, you know, and, and, the, and the elements and so on? In 2000, July 2005, when Bombella was appointed as the preferred bidder, we had to very soon after that go into a branding process because yeah. what happened somewhere in the request for proposal documents, the, the, the bidding companies were requested to look at a name and a brand for the project. So both of the companies, and at that stage we also had a reserved bidder called Gaulewi, but both the both of these companies came in with a name and and a brand, um, and as province we just decided, and also our politicians decided that this is not half 2005 for five years everyone has been speaking about Gautrain. Yeah. We're not going to change the name. Um, and at that point in time, I'm sure for the bidding companies, what it's going to be called and what a brand would look like was of very little concern um, because they were had to sign a concession or get it into negotiations with a concession agreement for the concession agreement with the province. So um, with the concession company, but province at that stage, there was no Gauteng management agency. The Gauteng province took the lead in the brand discussions and the, and the taking it forward. So what we decided is, is we, we asked a couple of companies um, we invited a couple of companies to a pitch for the brand. Mm. Um, they then um, came back and supplied us with a couple of brand designs. We shortlisted five brands from that. Okay. Um, those five brands, and we, we, we walked this road with a um, good friend of mine, and we call him, I, I, he's called Mr. Brand South Africa, Tebe Ikela Feng. Yeah. And Tebi advised us on processes, etc. So um, we had the sort of, and also one of the main reasons why I wanted Tebi in is because Tebi had, had has a very good concept of African brands yes. um, and aspirational brands. So we had um, the five brands. We then went into um, a full brand evaluation um, with asking uh, focus groups, doing research on the, the five brands. We eventually shortlisted two brands. Mm. And strangely enough, the two brands that we shortlisted 
um, were done by the same company. Oh. The company was then called Brand Act- uh, Brand Activation. They were part. They on. Uh, they've got a different. I think they are now one to one, but it's part of the Ogilvy Group. So okay. we we went in. The politicians then requested towards the end, beginning of two thousand and six. Literally, I think it was about February two thousand and six, that we should take the brands to the public, to yeah. have a public vote. So we did that. We took the two brands and we had advertisements in the newspapers. We had IVR lines on the website. Um, we had um, voting boxes in all the government departments in Gauteng. Mm. Um, and the brand that we get to know now, is, that we know now as the Gautrain brand, um, was the brand that came out tops. And it's also the brand, it's strangely enough, when all these brands came in or the brand proposals came in and they lie in your office and you flip through them, the brand we now have is the one that jumped out because it yeah. is it, it is the it's the only one, strangely enough. The name is Gautrain. Um it was the only brand. It was the only brand that had gold in their logo. So, okay. um, so we then went into the full process. As I, I spoke about the livery design, design of of elements at at stations, etc., and everything that brand people do, corporate identity manuals. Yes. And we kept the brand under wraps. The brand was confirmed because we had to, because they had to start um, working on the trains or manufacturing the trains. The brand was more or less decided on in March 2006. But we only launched the brand and what the trains would look like um, on the commencement of a construction function on the 28th of September. 2006. So for about six months, we had to keep the brand under wraps, but that gave us a lot of time to work on the to work on the brand, and it was quite nice. You know, the brand has different elements, you know, and for yeah. us, the brand is very much aspirational. Yes, and and the reason why we called it People on the Move um, was not merely moving people from physically from point A to B, but also tapping into people's aspirational desires. The, People on the move. They're on the move somewhere, you know. And and if there's a province that move, it's Gauteng. Yeah. Uh, people come here to <laughs> to work for work opportunities. For work opportunities. So it's a it's the province that's moving, you know. So yeah. um, as I said, we tapped into that aspirational um, uh, desires of people. Um, the gold, I don't have to explain. Yeah. It is the golden train. Um, and the little blue stripe that we have is just the blue horizon to show that um, we are we are tapping into our, into our future. You spoke about brand value. Yes. Um, only recently, 2014, um, we decided we have to look at because more and more Khatran, um was approached to partner yeah. with all kinds of entities from a. Um, property firm that wants to call a new office park across the road from Centurion Station, the Gautrain office park, Mm. Um, to to a whole host of... (laughs) So, your hotels, etc. And it it is difficult. You have a gut feel which companies you have to partner with and which you don't. But there was nothing that we we could base our decision on. So, if I say yes to you... Mm. Because I think it's going to be a good, a good partnership or a good association, but I say no to the next person because I think it won't be, mm. or we think it won't be, and that person comes back and say, "But what did you base it on?" Yeah. 
So we realized that we, we need to get to a, a good partnership strategy. And the commencement of, of such a strategy on who to partner with and where your brand lies in association with other brands, um, we did a brand valuation um, audit. We on, a, on an annual basis, we do stakeholder perception audits, but that's about perception. It's not the, 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 the monetary value of the brand. So to 2014, we appointed a company and they did a brand audit and the brand audit came back at about almost 250,000, I think it was, mm -hmm. 250 million, which is, which is very good for a very young brand. I mean, we, we're not an, an old established brand like some of the other brands in South Africa. Um, and we redid the study. We're doing it every second year. It was done um, towards the end, uh, towards the middle of last year, 2016. And the brand value grew with about 50 million. Wow. You know, and, and which also proves when we um, registered the Gautrain brand or when we finalized the Gautrain brand, fortunately, I, I had um, hindsight or could tap of some experience in the province because one of our the province's other blue IQ one of the other blue IQ projects um, which was also PPP the province had a name for for the um, for the project and the slowly and surely the name of the company that was running the PPP took over the name that the province and the brand that the province decided. And I decided that's not going to happen on my watch on how train, you yeah. know. And so the intellectual property, property wasn't belong. done. And also, property. you know, we could have, we have a concession agreement um, of until 2026 with yeah. with a concession company. And not that I say it, it, it can happen, but, um, or that it will happen, but, the possibility was there for the company to go walk away with a hot rain brand yeah. if it belongs to you. Now we as a province own a system. Yes. We have trains that are branded Gautrain, mm. but we don't own the brand. So we, at, at, as I said also previously, um, the GMA was not around in 2006. So we registered the brand in the office of the Premier. And those rights had only recently been transferred to the, to the, to the, to GMA. the GMA. Okay. So we own the brand. Um, the, there's an agreement between us and the concession company on the brand usage. Mm. And um, and how they can use the brand. Yeah, what is peculiar about the Gautrain brand is that the Gautrain Management Agency is a public entity. So therefore, the Gautrain brand is also a, a public brand. It belongs to the people, if mm. I can put it loosely as that. And it's just valued under three hundred million at the moment. Would you advise perhaps other public institutions? entities to go through the same route absolutely. depending obviously on the type of work and that also they the, do and the nature of their business yeah. absolutely um what you've said i just want to reflect on on what you've just mentioned is that the devil lies in the fact that it is seen as a public brand and we want it to be seen as a public brand i spoke about the public and the media taking ownership of mm. the project and the brand However, they do not own the rights to the brand. Yes. There's a common misunderstanding amongst a lot of people that because it's a public brand, yeah. they can use it however they seem fit. So we, we have a very strict, um, we call it brand governance, mm. um, 
policy and and plan. Um, and what we find is that all our employees um, become sort of brand ambassadors and come back to us and say, we've taken this photo yes. and they used our brand. Um, we had, for example, a, a clothing company December two years ago that <laughs> that designed T-shirts for, for kiddies and they had the hot train on it and it paired to... Um, one of the Disney characters in um, the, the the movie Cars. Yeah. What is the the, the guy that this the, the Max something? He was a red little sports car. Lightning McQueen. <laughs> yes, Lightning McQueen. <laughs> they had Lightning McQueen on, and it said and some something about how trains speeds. So we go back to them and we said, where do you get permission to use our brand? And I said, no, they didn't think we need to have permission because I said, but you're now making money off our brand. Yeah. And then they, they but, but it's a public brand. And I said, no, it's not a public brand. And if you think you're going to have problems with me, I would like to see what Disney is going to do if they find out <laughs> you've used one of their characters on, on their T-shirt. You know, So yeah. if you think I'm bad, wait until the Disney lawyers get to you. Um, so we have to monitor that very carefully. There was a guy in Centurion that had a fleet of shuttles. He called it Gao Shuttle. Mm. We have no, I mean, it, it's Gauteng. We have no rights to the word Gao or Gauteng. However, when he used Gao Shuttle, would have been still okay. But then he used clearly our brand. Mm. Um, and he, he couldn't see that he was wrong. And we eventually had to go into litigation with him. So it, it, is, it, is a cons- it is great that people accept your brand and take ownership of it, but they don't own the rights to it. So it's yeah. a difficult management process of, of doing that. Okay, now looking forward... Um, we've spoken about the fact that the Gao train has been in existence, I think now for the past 15 years or so, as a, as a project and been through operations for the past six years. And now looking forward and looking at the lessons learned from the journey in the past 17 years, what, what lies ahead for the Gao train, the GMA in terms of marketing and communications, particularly if we look at the fact that there's possible extensions mm. and expansions project uh, planned. Now, when we when we started Train, um, our plans around communication and marketing um, was very clear, and I almost see ourselves going into Train extensions um, as going back to that model because it worked well um, in the sense that we knew that for, for, during the procurement phase, the EIA, the environmental impact assessments, and construction, communication would be the key. And going closer to operation or moving closer to operation, marketing will kick in and start yeah. playing as an important role than communication did. Challenge we face, and we make it work, but it's a difficult one to make make um, to, to make work, is that according to the concession agreement, um, the Concession company is responsible for bumps on the seat, what we call marketing. Yeah, GMA is responsible for, for more. So, Bombella does shorter marketing. Yeah, we do more long-term marketing, getting people to use public transport a, and then obviously car train. Yes. Um, more specifically, um, so our marketing has a, a little bit more long-term, long-term approach than what the concession company has. Moving forward to, into the extensions, um, for the first couple of years during again procurement EIAs um, and construction, 
we will again have a bigger focus on communication, stakeholder relations, stakeholder management, than what we would have on marketing for the second phase. But unlike the first phase, we still have to continue marketing the current the service. Current, the current service, you know. So we say so it will have, but we ha- we learned a lot of lessons. Some of them were good. Some of them were even better in the sense that that they show us where we went wrong and how we can how we can plan for for the extensions. I'm glad you you've you've already touched on the 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 lessons learned throughout the process, and that brings me to the, my next question, which is, there, I'm sure there were lots of lessons to learn. But if we, if you would pick out the 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 most pertinent, perhaps about three of those, what were the biggest lessons to learn in a project of this magnitude? You know, there's two. If you ask me to point out two or three, two of them will be directly related working with Jack van der and and his philosophy on projects of this nature. The first lesson was that. Look, especially looking at studies that we've that we were busy conducting, is that they can find fault with content, but they can never find fault with processes. And we started uh, w- when we started with Hartrain and especially the EIA. We thought it's going to be a year, and we'd, we'd be finished. The EIA took almost three years. Yeah. We commenced with the with a um, EIA as in the beginning of two thousand and two, and we only got a record of decision. Um, mid 2004 and but when we were taken to court um, about some of the EIA or the, the decisions the fact that we followed all the processes and ticked all the process boxes gave us the um, the ruling that the, that the court made at that point in time you know where we won with cost yeah. um, against the the ratepayers association that took us to court um on, on a decision to to do to, to build how train in their area the second lesson and it was a very difficult a difficult lesson is Jack always said and still says that you have to sometimes lose some battles to win the war mm. I'm not very good at losing <laughs> but it, it became quite evident that that is indeed true. You know, you very often, when they were slating how train in the media and saying, have had all kinds of decision what the province can do with their money but to build how train and spoke about what bad idea how train was, you had to sit back and um, and weather that storm. Uh, and it is a battle we perhaps or could have been seen that we've lost. But in the end of the day, we won the war, and that's what, and that that is what what is important. Absolutely. Another lesson, and it, yes, all the lessons came from Jack. So it, there's a lot of other lessons, but I think my three main lessons came from Jack. He was once asked, "So how do you start, and how do you roll out a project of the scale of Hartrain? Um And his answer was like eating an elephant, bite for bite. Absolutely. Very often, and if I look at communication and marketing, and especially also the branding, I had the luxury of time. I had nine months, almost a year, to get all the ducks for the branding and the rollout of the branding in a row, because um, 
they were still busy with a with with a negotiation process for the concession. Very yeah. often you don't, um, and you have to get something a brand quickly pushed through. So time does does make a difference. You know, if you do have a little bit more time, um, it, it does make it make a difference. And then always trust your gut. Yeah. I remember when again, and as I said in the beginning, how train. As much as it was a Greenfields engineering project, it was also a Greenfields communication and branding project. It has never been done before in South Africa. Yeah. Um, you, we could, and I did, benchmark with what happened overseas in public transport projects. But especially when you get to the marketing, um, people in Europe, in the East, um, are sort of born on public transport. You don't, you, you don't have to persuade them to use public transport and then persuade them to use Gautrain um, or your system. So they have a far different attitude towards public transport than what the South Africans um, has or, or had about public transport. Um, so a lot of my benchmarking for Gautrain, I could have done, and I did, as I said, um, um, looking at international best practices in public transport, but often you have to go and say, okay, but how will it work here? If you look at and you tap into the strategic objectives of the project um, and into the vision where the project has to go, your communication, any plan, becomes almost automatic. We've come close to the end of the interview, but I want to end off with, with two questions. I'm going to combine them perhaps into one. Having gone through this journey with the experience um, that you have, what would you do differently if you were to do it all over again? I know at the beginning you spoke about retirement, which we're going to park, <laughs> and just focus on this. What would you do differently? You see, that's like those questions in interviews when they ask you, what don't you like about yourself? <laughs> um, you know, I would, I would choose Jack in a heartbeat again as my boss and my project leader. Mm -hmm. You know, working with Jack is, um, and with people like Jack, and the politi political leadership we have makes your work far more easier. So that, that, I would, that I would not change. I would perhaps change the way, and, and it was due to ignorance and, and, and a lack of experience, the way I approached a relationship with a concession company. You know, you have to realize that being the public sector partner in a PPP, you have a, a, lo a little bit more scope and long-term vision than what the concession company has. The concession company has a far more short-term, yeah. not that 25 is short-term, but, but has a and a far more profit-driven attitude, and that's right. Because they, they didn't promise the dream. They didn't promise the dream, and they have to look after. We also have to look after the bottom line, but yeah. because that would have made it from the beginning a little bit easier. It's now far easier. Um, so, it, 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 working and living within a, a, a PPP agreement and within the constraints of a concession an agreement, it's not always easy. You are, by definition, definition, sitting at the different sides of the table. Mm -hmm. However, when it comes to communication and marketing, you cannot do that. You have to speak from one mouth. 
Um, because for the public, there's no Gautre, no Gautrain management agency, no Bombella. Mm, it is Gautrain. Gautrain yeah. So you can't go, you know, I can't go on radio and say, when the media phone me and say, why is there a train running late? And I go, you know, it's that damn concession company or the operator again. You can't. It's Gautrain. Mm. You know, they can't go when they get called by the media and say, but why are we, why aren't you extending Centurion parking? Say, but... We don't have an agreement yet with the with the province to do it, you know. Yeah. So it is a for the public. There's it's only how train, and comms and marketing has to work together as literally as one as unit. As one unit, yeah, which is, which can be quite challenging. It is but challenging, it's but it's doable to look forward to. It is doable. Barbara, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend time with you today. We've spoken about the stakeholders. We've spoken about the brand. We've spoken about the challenges and the few of the lessons that you were able to share with us. One last thing is, does the university curriculum today or at colleges, in your view, prepare our students for the real life experiences that you've shared with us today? I think more and more today, it does equip them. Um, I, I think... At, at the technicons, or if I, I look at the old education um, system, the technicons had a system where the third year their students had to do in experiential training. Yeah. Um, so those students were better employable in the sense that when they when they got out of technicon and they had a diploma, they could more or less do the work. You know, they could draft a media release and they could they know. How, how to market their media release. Um, we have a very good partnership with the University of Pretoria where their honor students every year do a project on how train. And they do a, um, a, a complete marketing plan. We brief them and we are seen as the client. We go in there and we give them a briefing. They, ha they have different groups um, which are... They add agencies and they have to name themselves and brand themselves and they have to come with us to a proposal and we then go after they work on it for about four months and then we go in and they pitch their accounts to us um, or their plans to us. Uh, some of them are absolutely brilliant um, and I think more and more universities are moving in that direction um, because their students have to be employed by, by the industry you know, and, and and very often, academia can be quite removed from what is happening in the. Uh, and that's just the. It's not a criticism. It is just. It is just the nature of how academia, academia works, and then how the industry works. You know. So, so if the two can meet, um, academia and the industry where the the students are going to work eventually, uh, and prepare the students better. Um, for a more employable product in the end, I think the, bet the better it is for the student. You know, it is not the student's fault if they go out into the industry and they have no experience or no exposure um, to what is happening in the real world. Um, it is then that that academic institution that has ill-prepared the student to cope with the demands of that specific of, of the industry. And it's it's for us. It's exciting. We we love that partnership. You know, we I love to sit and see what the creative some of those some of those presentations that honest students did, did to us. 
in the past couple of years are better than most of the advertising agencies have proposed to us. Incredible. Dr. Jensen, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. You have been listening to the How Train Talks podcast station. To listen to this and more, please go to our website and you can follow us on Twitter or howtrain.co.za to listen to more podcasts and more material. Thank you.